know, we're not a large organization. We're up to uh, 35 or so employees. But at the same time, you spread them out over four different physical locations in a you know 40 mile radius or or so, from A to Z. Um, you just can't be in four places at once. And so you really have to build out a, a network of trust among these guys. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Okay, welcome to Peer Talk. There are a number of great business owners out there, just like yourself, who would love to share their experiences with you, and we hope to give them a voice. Rovi Tracker is proud to sponsor this episode of Peer Talk, the rental industry's premier podcast. Rovi Tracker does GPS tracking and maintenance alerts. We have a program for the rental industry that will save you 28%. Call us for a demo. Welcome to Peer Talk. This is Dan Crowley. Today we have a very special guest, Dan Felitz from General Rental in Ohio. Uh, they have four locations. And Dan started in the business back in 1997 when he joined his father, John, and they went about operating uh, rental operations in Ohio and expanding from one location to four locations. Today's topic will be about managing multiple locations, the metrics, the people, the systems. Welcome, Dan. Welcome to Peer Talk. Today we have Dan Felix from General Rental. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you doing today? Excellent. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about managing multiple locations, uh, something that Dan is very familiar with, right? So, uh, yeah. so let's start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, um, you know, how you got into the industry, your company, and how you got to this point so we can learn more about General Rental. Sure. First, thanks for having me on, Dan. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hopefully somebody finds something useful out of this. I don't know. Absolutely. My history, uh, if you you want to tell the story of our company, you got to go back actually a generation and start with my dad. So back in 1978, he opened his first rail yard in Worcester, Ohio. And he was a farmer that needed a set of acetylene torches. (laughs) And he couldn't find them anywhere. And that was kind of the birthplace of that. So he went into business, uh, got a family loan from a friend uh, in, in, with an industry that we actually deal with, from a manufacturer and industry. And, uh, you know, I was born in 1979. So I've been around this industry my entire wow. life. Uh, he sold out to a VC guy back in 1992, which then sold the company off to Nations Rent, which then sold out to Sunbelt. And along the way, they closed down some of the, the locations in our area. He had grown it to four. Uh, the next fella then grew it out to up to seven locations. And by the time Sunbelt was done, they were all closed. Um, so that really left kind of a vacancy in our area. And just for perspective, we're about an hour south of Cleveland, about uh, an hour and a half northeast of Columbus, kind of right along the 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 route 77 us 30 corridors there mm-hmm. kind of is where mm-hmm. we are. So we bridge uh, a really interesting area there where we're not exactly urban. We're not exactly agricultural. We're not, uh, we're, we're somewhat industrial. We got, uh, Republic steel and Timken in our areas. So those are big manufacturing mm-hmm. companies in our, in our area there. So, um, 
we've got a nice nice mix, but we're not too heavy in any one area. So then in 1996, um, we were approached by a, a, a small operator in the Maslin, Ohio area, which would be the sister city to Canton, Ohio, which is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's the big thing in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, so the father was getting ready to retire, and the son had spun off a party and event rental business. And he didn't want anything to do with construction, homeowner, uh, industrial work. He just wanted the party side. And he was looking for a buyer. And so I was a senior in high school, and I was getting ready to head out to college. And dad said, hey, are you interested in this? And I said, you know, yeah, but I'm 17. You know, what do I know about anything in the world? So, uh, you know, we, uh, I started working there uh, in December of 1996 just to kind of see if it was something that fit well. And in March of 97, we purchased the business. And in 1999, uh, the Ventrac company, Venture Products, which was has just recently been sold out to Toro, uh, they're mm. old friends of the family. They asked if we'd be interested in kind of a joint venture out in the Orville area, which is their home. Um, and they said, hey, uh, we're looking to build out a, a small tool sales side to help support our new Ventrac tractor. And uh, would you be interested in bringing in the, the rental side? And hmm. after some hem hawing around, that made some sense because that's only three miles from my hometown there. So we now had two branches on April in April of '99. In 2000, uh, uh, another local company in the North Canton area, the the husband and wife that were that had been running that business for maybe 10 years were closing in on retirement and had some health issues. And they said, hey, we're either going to sell out to somebody else or if you're interested, you can have this. So we got to three locations. And then in 2004, uh, we just saw a need, an opportunity in the Worcester area, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the other direction. So now we had two county seats that we were operating in, in Wayne and Stark counties in Ohio. So uh, that happened quickly <laughs> and, and, you know, putting things in perspective. So I'm in my early twenties and, uh, you know, it was, it was a real interesting learning curve on that. And I was trying to go to college at the same time and, and we were experiencing wow. this rapid growth and, uh, you know, things, life just kept on happening. I got married, had kids along the way. And then in 2009, my first daughter was, was coming on and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> We were getting a new computer system, and Dad said, "You know what? I'm just not coming in on Monday." And that mm. was our succession plan. <laughs> wow! So, so that's that. Pretty much brings you up to where we are today. Uh, you know, just things have been happening. It, it sounds haphazard, but it's you know, looking back on it, it's worked out well so far. So, so, so that Wooster location that was 2009. Did you say four? 2004. Four, 2004. Okay, yeah. so. F- 15 years ago. So, um, been operating four operations for 15 years or, right. uh, yeah. So, so that's actually a good place to start. So your role, you, at what point were you essentially, well, I'm assuming you worked with the store managers. You had store managers at each, lo- each location. Yeah. So, you know, I would operate as kind of the, the XO, the right-hand man to, to dad, who was a real entrepreneur. You know, he, he mm-hmm. saw an opportunity, he'd chase it. 
but that didn't always lead to uh, organization. That was, you know, an opportunity presented itself. Let's go after it. And he would be able to lean, lean on me and well, how do we make this happen type thing. So mm-hmm. uh, I was operating as kind of an assistant manager. And then through personnel changes, I was a branch manager at North Canton. And then when we got somebody in up there, I went out to Orville uh, gotcha. for a while. And then, uh, you know, just kind of transitioned along the way. And one of the things I really realized in 2008 and 2009 was we had to tr- just transition away from you know, John Phillips Incorporated to General Reynolds. And it couldn't be, you know, Dan Phillips Incorporated or else it would be the same frustrations I've been dealing with all along. So So, that's one of the early transitions. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah. So about that time is when you kind of came up with the new name and uh, started to kind of brand yourself together as General Rental. Um, Your logo actually looks like it might be younger than that. Did you do that logo more recently than 15 years? I put that together in 2003 or two. Oh my gosh. That yeah, looks so great. It, it looks oh, yeah. Yeah. surprisingly fresh. <laughs> well, I, so, I, I got to be honest. I got to talk to my sisters about that because I leaned on them heavy for, for input. So they're, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, so are these locations now, do you have a general manager in each store or a branch lead? manager? And now branch we've manager. also kind of added in a general manager to, to help kind of loosen the burden on me. A little bit. Okay, so so talk about the difference between your role and your general manager's role. What what does that person do for you versus what you're currently doing? So he's really the. If we really talk about it in terms of, of, of traction, as it were, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You know, we were trying to build out that model before we had even read the book. Um, but really, he's operating as an integrator. Uh, an so traction. Integrator. You say so. You're referring to the book by Gina Wickman, which is about building an entrepreneurial operating system. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were already heading in that direction before that, that, you know, before EOS came on my radar, we were already identifying that it can't, you you just have to share the responsibility, you know, and and we're not a large organization. We're up to uh, 35 or so employees, but at Mm -hmm. the same time you spread them out over four different physical locations in a, you know, 40 mile radius or, or so from A to Z, um, you just can't be in four places at once. And so you really have to build out a, a network of trust among these guys. And then, hmm. um, you know, EOS has kind of taught us that we need to also look for, identify numbers and identify a way to, to prove, you know, how are they doing? And it has to be more than just kind of licking your thumb and sticking it up in the air and testing the breeze. So, so that's, that's, that's excellent. So that's a good point. So we're going to get into metrics uh, a little sure. bit further in the conversation and I'm dying to, to find out how you, you know, look at progress and performance in those <laughs> operations. But, but let me ask you this, like if I, you know, flying over the business, seeing the mm-hmm. four locations, how do they differ from each other? If they differ at all, do they, do they serve like in my mind, you, you picture uh, an independent equipment rental operator, goes 20 miles in every direction or 10 miles in every direction. And they might um, have a category of assets that includes compact uh, compact equipment as well as a little bit of lift and may focus in specific uh, market categories. How are the four similar or different from each other? You know, they really do operate as four individual businesses in, in, in closer proximity. Uh, we, we share equipment back and forth a lot. Uh, and that's one of the struggles, but 
we we have centralized a few things uh, in order to deliver some of our, our aerials. We've kind of put all of our main transportation at one location. So the semi and um, our tandem rollbacks are sitting at one location. One location, uh, got it. Yeah, but it has the best location for access to a main highway. So you can get in mm-hmm. and out pretty quick and easy out of there. But Got other it. than that, they really are relatively similar. The differences really would come down to the to the markets that they serve. You know, if you look at Maslin and North Canton, we are in, in a considerably more urban retail environment. Uh, sure. Worcester is similar to that. Orville is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But we have a, mm-hmm. a really interesting uh, oddity there that we have a, a large Amish population to the south of us. And so they travel huh. into the, the larger urban areas like in Akron or a Cleveland and they will use us as a waypoint to pick something up along the way. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. So, so having the trucks in in one location, uh, moving some of the bigger assets, um, uh, you don't seem to have too much problem with that. The distance between the four locations, I, I you think know, it's what, like, yeah, from Worcester to North Canton would be the longest drive, and that's maybe uh, maybe a forty minute drive, forty five minute drive from A to Z. Okay. Mile wise, I'd say it's probably thirty miles or so. 40 miles. Got it. Okay. And, and we have, you know, we have people with multiple locations that do do different things to kind of uh, become as efficient as they can throughout the day. Uh, you know, we have a couple that have what I would call central hubs uh, where they create a war room and, and, you know, they might have a, uh, a, a central phone bank um, where they're actually keeping track of assets and the movement of the assets um, do, do your stores um, own those assets or how is that managed? Like who's, is it like one central pool of assets and then they're, they have um, a home or is it kind of more uh, just all one working together as one? So the business structure, we are incorporated and they're all four branch locations of one corporation. So at the end of the day, they are all owned by one entity. They do have home ba- home base locations where, mm-hmm. um, you know, we probably should do a better job of tracking, uh, you know, internal sub rentals, but we yeah. really just share stuff back and forth is how that works. It, it'd be like a glorified uh, stock room that you can take something in and out of. As far as a hub and spoke, we our Maslin branch at being the oldest and um, probably building wise, one of the largest and, and best suited for it we do do most of our uh, stocking out of there. So we'll do some centralized parts ordering. We have been working on building out an actual purchasing agent that does a lot of the the uh, uh, centralized repair orders and merchandise inventory restocking oh, and, and kind of working on that. But that's, you know, that we started building that out in January of 2020 and then COVID hit. So things really hit this the the bricks there and we haven't really built that out the way it should be to be fully efficient i've i've often wanted to do a uh, a very targeted peer group around obviously because that's our business right but right. i would love to do a multi-site and um you know how different operators around the country are identifying efficiencies whether it be uh central service and repair um you know, just different things around asset movement and managing of that. Um, I think that would be really neat to have 10 people in the room and kind of just sharing for a day on, on the different things they're doing to, to cut some of the 
what I would call central overhead costs out of the equation so that they can be, you know, more profitable with four stores than one store, right? So owning four individual stores is one thing, but you don't really get the advantage till you start to make change. That's exactly um, right. And I think yeah. communication is the biggest struggle there. You know, it's, we've just, this, this last month introduced a unified communication system where in the past we had four different traditional PBX phone banks at each location. Uh, gotcha. And now we've just introduced, we've, we've gone with a unified solution so that we can nice. you know, send calls back and forth. We can call extension to extension in-house. Um, and that, you know, when we were rolling that out, you know, boy, just guys were out of their minds excited about the opportunity to not, to get away from some of the, the frustrations, you know, since we are so close, when we do share stuff back and forth, sure. I'm out of a, let's say a plate compactor and I'm all out of those at this branch today. Well, hey, I've got one here. It's a, it's a 20 minute drive over there. Are you willing to run over there? Sure. You betcha. Now, how do I make that happen inside? Uh, yeah. Part of that is a sales discussion. Part of it is logistics discussion. You know, we're, we're talking about, do I want to hang up the phone and have that trust that that customer is going to call that other branch? Or do I want to make yeah. that reservation and then confirm availability with the other branch? Can I trust that um, this piece isn't on a repair order? And that it is available as it says, or that the scheduling is, is, isn't as tight as I think it is, or it's tighter than I think it is. You know, that, that whole frustration is probably the lion's share. It's always communication, man. It's always communication. That, that's amazing. And you know, it's so funny because what you're speaking of, there's so much at risk, right? So it's kind of like you could see in, in any given month, uh, the opportunity to kind of botch an opportunity, right? <laughs> so, right? So you want to make sure that happens. And I would say one of the interesting things about this pandemic is we are getting exposed to using technology for different purposes. We have uh, one of our members has three locations in Pennsylvania. And, you know, when they got to the second and third location, it was, this, it was such a interesting move. They put these big monitors at the end of each um, counter. And so they left them on 24 seven. And so you could literally talk to the counter oh. that might be 30 miles away on your left or talk to the counter that might be 20 miles another direction on your right. That's so these guys would lean in and they'd look in the camera and say, Hey Jim, are you there? Can, can yeah. I ask you a question? So it was kind of neat. I, th- I thought that was a unique way to, to deal with that communication. Well, issue. That's great because then it would save me from even picking up the phone and dialing over and say, you know, going into the, the on hold or going into the voicemail when I can just look in the camera and see, Oh man, these guys are all on the phone right now. You know, that's, that's genius. That's a and, then, smart guy. And, and then you also wonder like with now you use point of rental. I do. You do. And are you, your enterprise or which we're at the expert level, the, the mid tier level. level. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And, and that's where it's like, you can almost see where this is all headed, where mm-hmm. the ability to have multiple monitors in front of you to be able to see multiple stores, understand, what's available to you, you know, it's the drill down ability to say, I mean, and I'm, I'm, of course I'm thinking of a four store operation, but I'm also thinking of an eight store operation, right? Yeah. How does this, how does this benefit? And ultimately there is definitely a time constraint and a distance constraint on, on managing, you know, those operations working together. So I told, I get that. Um, and there's now, there's so you, many layers to it that, that, that are interesting yeah. to that too. And I think that, you know, point of rental, we just came over to them, uh, in, in November of, of 2019. 
uh, we had been with another company and we loved them, but they just didn't have some of the options that we wanted in, in Point of Rental was able to offer those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different modules along the way. And, you know, you're, you're looking at that as this, uh, you know, the pinnacle where someday I can add this in and someday I can add this module in and, and, and all yeah. that. And you can see these increased efficiencies along the way. And that's really where you start to have some real fun with that. Absolutely. So you're, so you're, um, you have these different branch managers. Now you have the general manager. Um, you can kind of see that your role from an EOS perspective is to be the visionary and, and kind of use the, the general manager, maybe more in, in a, in an integrator or an implementer role. Um, is that kind of how you're structured or are you using yourself differently than your general manager? Yeah, I'm probably part-time integrator. He's, he's gotcha. part-time integrator. Um, okay. the goal would be to get him out of, you know, n- needed daily functions and allow him to actually operate as a, as a full-time integrator and allow me yeah. to step out completely, but we're not quite there yet. And then, and then you guys have been, um, looking at metrics. So let's kind of move over to that metrics. That's scorecard. How do well, you, how, Dan, and, I want to be real clear up front with you, man. <laughs> the scorecard has been a frustration to me because I have oh, yeah. not done well at this and anybody listening, please don't listen to what I have to say next. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to touch, touch on anyway, because that's where we got to go where the pain's at, right? We gotta, <laughs> it hurts. So so it does hurt, but it is interesting because um, branch management, you know, we're seeing it around the country with the independents. It is becoming more streamlined. In fact, we're having a roundtable. Um, it's a virtual roundtable strictly for branch management um, that's available in, in December and January. There's a quick plug, uh, <laughs> but anyone can attend. You don't have to be a peer group um, member. We just make sure that there's only 10 per session. Um, but yeah, it has to do with, okay, as a peer, as a branch manager, what is my role and responsibility? How, you know, not just interacting at the store level, but how do I interact with the general management level? Um, what am I responsible for feeding, uh, data upstream and, or being held accountable for, right? So, um, in your case, uh, they're actually obviously looking at, um, you're looking and you now know how deep you've gotten on this, but like, you're going to look at your um, hourly utilization. You're going to look at your categories of assets at that store and see how things are being utilized. But does that mean that the asset has to be at that home base? It's not in a central, right? So how do you deal with that? That's exactly the issue. It, it seems yeah. like so often I start putting these metrics together and start, start trying to identify, um, mm-hmm. you know, how does this work? But with our model and the way that we're operating right now, it's completely unfair. Um, for me to for me to hold somebody accountable to a number that they have almost no authority over they have almost no control over you know if yeah if if the customer with our close locations it is very common for a customer to pick up something at one branch and take it back to a different branch mm-hmm. uh, sure we can try and turn the screws and get and force somebody to take it back to that home base but then with point of rental when you close out that order at the other branch, that branch receives the revenue. So now I'm left mm. with a choice: either either let it set or spend more time in the office making general ledger entries or making corrections. Um, gotcha. And mm. it, you know, if I dig in that deep, we could probably make the time for it, but we just haven't found a way to make the time for that right now. So I, I have really struggled with that, with measuring utilization, saying, well, you know, mm-hmm. this thing's out 120 percent. You know, it's got 120 percent utilization. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, because you know it's being shared from A to B to C to D, you know, and that's an obvious you know point. But there are other things where it's extremely low. You know, we're sharing. It yeah, and and, and I, I think that's the challenge, right? You're so you've had four operations for a number of years, but you've recently changed your management software. So it's kind of almost like you're you're starting fresh and saying, how do we manage? How do we look at metrics? Um, you know, how much time do we waste on proper reporting versus, hey, getting the job done, getting the getting the assets out of the yard and, and out uh, on the project sites. Yeah. Um, now, now, in your branches, do you have uh, mechanics in every branch or do you have more of a central? I know you mentioned you had some uh, where specific assets will be taken to the um, main location. So we've been kicking around the centralized shop idea. And I know a lot of guys have a lot of strong feelings one way or the other, or it's a pipe dream that someday I'd like to get to it. And we've, what we've done really is tried to home base some of the more complicated systems with our, you know, higher dollar techs or our, our more skilled and experienced techs in one location so that all of those orders kind of ship or are received back into that area. So you've got the qualified people to put their hands on it. Um, Mm -hmm. We do have mechanics at each branch, obviously, but it, you know, they're not all tier three, you know, uh, high end mechanics. You know, some of these guys Got are small it. engine guys. Some of these guys are focused more on, you know, small electronics. But mm-hmm. you know, you have to have somebody somewhere. And so we, our answer to that was, well, it's not a true centralized shop, but mm-hmm. it is kind of a centralization of the knowledge in one area. Now, do those people, um, do they, from a coaching perspective or an evaluation perspective, is, is the branch manager active in that? Or does the branch manager really run counter and some of the general duties, uh, on a branch and then leave kind of the development of the staff to the overall general manager or, or yourself? Where, where does that go? Is it, is it, is the branch manager managing all the human resources in, in their particular site or is it more, um, you know, spread amongst the, the company. Yeah. So the branch manager is ultimately responsible for, we, we boil it down to knowing our, our people, knowing our equipment, mm-hmm. knowing our facility. And you, you know, you can break it out into a lot of different buzzwords, but really we want them to know what's going on with the customer base, who's coming in and out the door uh, and what they're looking for to make sure we're satisfying their needs. Uh, operationally, it. we're making sure that they've got the people, the right people in the right seat to go back to the EOS term. Uh, th- that can really do the work of the daily functions in there. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, they're kind of facility managers. Hey, we got a leak in the roof over here, or, you know, I, I need to, to get this piece of concrete replaced, what, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, that's really their responsibilities. Um, general manager really is kind of the, the guy pulling the heavy lifting on that for, he's responsible for the training calendar he's responsible for the OSHA safety requirements and, and, and some of that stuff. But even that really, um, that's not his strong suit either. And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want him dragged down into that area that much either. So that's why we're looking at transitioning over to professional employment organization to really build out gotcha. HR. a PEO. So essentially that would be uh, an entity that would act as your almost outsource human resource management. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, there there's some places yeah. for that. Yeah, for us, you know, at that 35 person area, we we can't quite justify a full time HR department 
but also we need to be able to have somebody to, to answer the phone when a guy's got a new baby or he breaks his arm or he wants to change his withholding taxes or whatever. So, you know, right now it's being handled by my office manager, but that's not really her training. So good. That's, that's a good point. I, you know, I, I see a number of people um, look at PEO and they balk due to cost. But when you're in a position where you're growing your business and you're looking at adding a staff person because things have gotten so much bigger and, and more support. I mean, you're over 30 employees now. So um, comparing that new hire in the HR area versus using an outsourced solution or even a PEO where, where you're, you know, they're leasing the employees and, and um, you're leasing them from the PEO company. Uh, I could see the potential for that. I know a couple people who use PEO and have used them forever. And even though it looks like a big expense on their income statement, it actually is replacing an FTE or a body count. So it, they can justify the cost of that relationship for sure. Exactly. It really does come down to, okay, if I'm looking at hiring a full-time person, it's going to cost me this much to, to add on this service. I, you know, It's going to cost me this much. It's a net savings for me, let alone the upside of you know this year, Anybody listening to this didn't know what to do most of the time with their response to COVID. We didn't know what to tell guys or how to tell it to them. Uh, you know, how are you exposed? How are you supposed to handle this? You know, and we were crowdsourcing that through our, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys in the, you know, listening to this probably did the same thing we did. We were having weekly calls in our bag meeting, our weekly bag meeting, where we're, we're trying to share, hey, this is what I heard. This is what I'm supposed to do. But to mm-hmm. have a, 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 somebody that does this professionally, and is you know paying attention to that and has a, a wider range of resources. And I can tap into that. That's got some real value to me. Let alone sure. let alone easing that onboarding or exiting. You know, it, it, there's just so many upsides to it for me for us. But some guys might like might not like it. No, I I think it's great. And and you know we have been running into um, people strategy issues at big big time this fall with all of our peer group meetings. Um, we've, you know, we've created the HR scorecard where people are able to say, okay, on these 20 different levels of managing people, where are we good and where are we still need to mm-hmm. build the system? And then of course, if you're implementing your EOS, you have the ability to kind of make it a rock and, and, and put it in place in your company. So I think, you know, there's no question I can see that being where people spend a lot of energy, especially with even though we're have a lot of unemployment in this country, the the skilled jobs are filled, right? They are. So we can't. So we need when we need technicians or or um, people to work in the the company, we're having trouble finding the people who will stick. So no question. Now let's segue real quickly because we we're going to end this up, but I want to briefly touch upon any ideas and or uses around new technologies. I know GPS has become. Uh, more prevalent with GPS Locator is is one of our vendors. We have Rovi Tracker sponsoring this particular podcast, and uh, you know making sure that they have GPS on certain systems. As you have your equipment a bigger and bigger fleet, and the fleet's out more and more and more, um, ha- have you looked at new technologies and anything to help you to manage those assets? Um, so yeah, I think the things I'm looking for or I'm looking at are. You know, inventory management, like I said, we share things back and forth. You can think you have something in some place, go to the shelf, and it's not there. Uh, only Got to it. find out that it's been replaced, returned somewhere else, and whatever. Somehow it's not mm-hmm. there. So that is one of our biggest holdups right now. It's a real frustration. So I've looked at either 
putting a, a QR code or a barcode on every piece of equipment and then getting tablets in the back for the for the yard guys and the techs to kind of track that through. You can, I, I believe, with Pointer Rental or work or uh, Record 360, you can timestamp and geostamp where certain functions were done. So you, oh, can, neat. you can say that's in. Um, only problem with that is, you know, this is this stuff is all being used. So those stickers, mm-hmm. those those barcodes, those Q codes might not <laughs> be legible. So you know, it's it's not the right answer all the time. Correct. So I've kicked around the idea. Um, you know, they make these RFID tracker bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked into that because there are, you know, obviously on larger things, yeah, uh, GPS that makes a ton of sense on a skid steer or on an excavator sure. boom lift. But if I'm also sending out a, uh, let's go back to the plate compactor, you know, where am mm-hmm. I going to put that thing on there and have not have it rattle loose? So they make, you know, RFID trackers in, in different, you know, forms where you can go as simple as, you know, once again, a handheld scanner that would just re- record it in, or they even make them over your entry and exit gates. So to kind of mm-hmm. timestamp it as it goes in and out, what you've got there. So I'm, I'm in the early stages looking at that, but. I'm looking for an answer, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is interesting. The, um, and it's, it's not just that you're seeing companies pop up like record 360, which is, you know, helping people to, uh, better serve the customer by better, better serving yourself, protecting yourself legally. Um, you know, pictures being attached to files, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. more and more of, of those types of uses of technology in the future. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see where that, where that ends up. Um, the, the old question of how do I manage assets amongst multiple locations will always be a topic of discussion. I don't know that there's anything, uh, very simple about it, but at some point you do need to commit to a, uh, a vision for yourself. So tell us about your future. How do you see things changing um, you know, hopefully we're, we're going to come out of the pandemic at some point, but what's going to happen with general rental? Are you, you know, from a system standpoint, from an expansion or uh, personnel standpoint, what, what do you see in the future for you? Onward and upward in 2021. We, uh, you know, we have a lot of reason for optimism and I'm just a generally optimistic guy, but I, I feel like, you know, 2020 was a blip. It was a, it was an odd year from a lot of perspectives yeah. and I, I, I just take it as a one-off. I, mm-hmm. I could be mistaken but I don't think I am. Um, we have been gearing up. I, I feel for, for the type of business, you know, the rental industry is, is so varied. There are so many different niches that you can fit into. So for mm-hmm. our particular model and how we, we operate, um, there's room for opportunity in a lot of markets around us. And we feel like we've identified a couple that we'd like to move into. But before we do that, we're really focused on doing what we do now better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really doing it well, stop shooting ourselves in the foot with, you know, forgetting to send out a key or not putting the pin in that auger bit, whatever it may be, you know, really sure. building the systems around that. Cause you know, we're talking about technology. So often a lot of this stuff is, is great, but you got to have the system in place to use it for your people before mm-hmm. technology can make anything work. You know, um, you know, computers fail, but the system, the process has to be sound. You know, it should operate regardless of any technology that comes along. Good so point. That, Good that's point. what we're working on right now is um, I've spent uh, an inordinate amount of time building out a sta- an SOP manual, uh, you know, a daily procedures manual. 
and it is a, a constant work in progress, but, you know, really giving us a training manual that says, hey, this is how we do this every time. And so if we do inject a new piece of technology in there, it can only make that system easier or more efficient, but it can't fix the problem. That's what the process or the procedure is in place for. That's what we're working on right now. Excellent. As we continue. Well, Dan, yeah. Dan Felix, I know that uh, you are committed to your EOS implementation. And uh, my guess is that you will have great employee retention and also be recruiting people because you do have that those types of commitments to uh, improvement and communication with your employees. And of course, any employee is going to want to work at a company where they know they'll be heard. So we appreciate uh, what you brought to the table today for us. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. I hope, I hope it was useful. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Appreciate it. Thanks. Dan Felix from General Rental. Thank you. Movie Tracker is proud to sponsor this episode of Pure Talk, the rental industry's premier podcast. Movie Tracker does GPS tracking for rental equipment. When you hear, where is this equipment? That costs your company $18 each time. Stop the bleeding. Call us for a demo. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.